0: And uh, I can honestly say that my first thought was, since it's been so many years since uh, uh, I've spent a lot of time in Proverbs, that we would go there. And, and then the thought hit me, well, I wonder what the, what the folks would like to do. And so uh, I put on our Facebook page a little survey. And uh, uh, anyway, it was a landslide, Proverbs 1. I, Proverbs or Psalms was the question. Yeah, <laughs> one one lone vote for Psalms, I think. But uh, <laughs> so, anyway, that kind of confirmed the way that I was feeling, and uh, and I thought, okay, we'll get started on that Wednesday night. And then someone posted on there said, you know, I'm working in Arwana, and I I really I don't want to miss that. And uh, so I thought, uh, okay, uh, so we can wait and start Proverbs when Arwana over. That'll be not not too far off, what, eight or ten weeks, something like that. And uh, so, anyway, what I decided, I thought, okay, I've got another idea. We're going to start on Proverbs, but instead of doing it like we normally do, going verse by verse, we're, we're going to start on, I had a series 15 years or more ago, I guess, about some topics out of proverbs there, there's oh my you could go on forever and so I thought I'll teach some of these topics where instead of looking at one verse there we look at all of the verses in proverbs on that particular subject and uh, so I thought okay we'll start that tonight and then I thought you know we start that tonight but next Wednesday night is our anniversary and Bev and I are going to be gone <laughs> so one more message about prayer amen now several years ago i i i told brother ron a while ago we was talking about something and 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 i mentioned the fact that i'd live in the past in in a lot of ways i can't get used to high prices Time goes by, I, I, I keep thinking that we moved over here just a year or two ago and it's been more than that. But I'm going to guess 12, 14 years ago, I, I, I read a letter, a short letter, and I'm going to read it at the end of the message. Uh, a, a letter from a mother regarding her, what she called her prodigal son. And uh, I can remember working on a message and uh, and, and talking about that, uh, praying for your prodigal. And so that's what we're going to do tonight and uh, wrap up our study on prayer. And then two weeks from tonight, we'll get started on the topical study in Proverbs. So open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll get there in just a little while. All of us can think of someone who is out of God's will, right? Everybody knows someone that's in need of prayer. And many of us have prayed and we prayed and we prayed for our loved ones. And seemingly, seemingly without any results. And there are a lot of times we feel like giving up. It's not that we, it's not that we mind praying so much. It's just that, you know, we get to the point, it's like, what What good will it do? You know uh, they're never going to change. And so tonight's message is all about trying to encourage you to not give up but to keep praying. And there are three things I want us to think about tonight in regards to uh, to praying for our prodigals, whoever they are. first of all, is understanding the situation. That's the first thing, understanding the situation. The word prodigal can be applied to numerous people. In other words, we could use that term in reference to someone that has departed from the faith, you know, they've turned away from the teaching of God's word. We can use it in reference maybe to a child that has gone astray, they've gone the way of the world. Maybe it's a businessman uh, that has become so busy, busy with his career that he doesn't have time for God anymore, and it's tearing his family apart. Maybe it's an unfaithful spouse. It might even be a preacher who has fallen in some way or another, and that happens all of the time. But in many instances, we start wondering, is the person saved or lost? And most of the time, all we can do is... Is to guess, right? Because God alone knows for sure. I'll tell you, even a saved person can act a lot like unsaved people uh, for a period of time. And I know, you know, in talking about no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God, and know this and know that and what have you, and we get to talking about, yeah, but... You can be saved and commit those sins, but not live habitually in those sins. But, I mean, even trying to describe or define habitual gets to be a real problem. So, you know, we can just wrestle with this question over and over again, whether they're saved or lost, and God's the only one that knows. Uh, but, but the, the, the thing of it is we need to keep praying. And we need to understand that some. We need to understand that some prodigals are in church every week. By the way, I mean they sit in a pew in the service. It's like talking about the prodigal son. And I've often said in regards to the prodigal son, when he went in the far country, you can't measure the far country in terms of of miles, uh, because whether it's a bar stool or a church pew. A person can be out of the will of God. And so naturally, we tend to pray more earnestly uh, for those whose faults are obvious, and, and then we get down to that point like, what's the use? I, 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 you know, there's so many things I wish I could say that, that I can't. I, I wish I could give some more personal examples and experiences and what have you, but I, uh, s- some things are better left unsaid. But uh, some people say, well, when will I ever get my children raised? <laughs> uh, you really don't want to know that because, uh, uh, anyway. I think about the Psalmist when he said, this is Psalms 10 verse 1, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thyself in times of trouble? Do you ever feel like that? That God's hiding himself? The heavens are brass. God's not talking. You just can't get through. The more you pray and the more you cry and the more you you, you try, it, it just seems like things keep getting worse. So when that happens... What we need to do is to reorient ourselves by going back to the Word of God. And one of the best things that we can do is to consider the greatness of God's power. That's where we've got to keep our focus there, or we will eventually tire and give up. And so look in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to begin reading verse 15, because here we find Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. And he says in verse 15, Wherefore? I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all of the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, Uh, the, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power "...to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places." far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Notice verse number eighteen. We're talking about understanding the situation in praying for your loved ones that have strayed away from God, that refuse to come to God. We've got to understand the situation. Verse eighteen says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Remember the chorus that we sang, Open Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Really, you know, we think of that as just a little old praise course, but that is a profound truth. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. This word translated understanding here speaks in regards to the mind as a faculty of understanding, feeling, desire, a way of thinking or feeling, thoughts, whether they're good or whether they're bad. All of this takes place in the heart which is described as the center of our life. So what we could really say is that the heart has eyes. The heart has eyes. And that, that's why we sing that, that song, Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, because in reality, in the strict uh, uh, defining of that word implies that the uh, the 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 heart is able to see in the sense of understanding grasping truth but the problem is this that a lot of people are blinded to the truth turn over to second corinthians chapter number 4 second corinthians chapter 4 and begin reading in verse number 4 It says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now remember, Solomon said in Proverbs chapter number 4 that all of the issues of, the, of life proceed out of the heart. And and so what that means is that people cannot change until the eyes of their heart have been opened. In other words, as long as the eyes of their heart are closed, they're going to stumble in darkness. They're going to violate God's laws. They're going to hurt themselves. They're going to hurt other people. I I was writing an article today, and I never did get finished with it, and I don't know if I will, but it, it simply had to do with the hurt that we experience in watching others hurt themselves. And and if you're a parent, you know exactly what I mean. It's a terrible thing when you try repeatedly to warn them, don't go down that road, don't take that path, don't make that choice. And you look back on your life and you think back when you were younger and you did that exact thing that you're warning them about. You know where the road leads, you know what's going to happen and you don't want to see them get hurt. And they just keep going. And we ask ourselves, why do people do what they do? Well, it's simply because their heart is blinded to the truth. And he talks about, you know, Satan has blinded their minds to the truth. But what does God do? Well, he says that God shines the light. Amen? It's God that enlightens the mind. And that's the only way that we can open up their heart. That's the only hope, because only God can open up the eyes of the heart. And we don't want to ever forget that, because we can't do it. I don't care how hard we try. We can sit down and try to reason with them. You know, we can give them examples out of our own life. And all of those things are well and good. But but if their heart is blinded to the truth, We've got to have God's help. It's just that that plain and simple. I think about, you know, whenever Elijah prayed for God to open the young man's eyes over in 2 Kings chapter number 6, and Lord, to open his eyes, help him to see, you know, the army of angels that's around us, enable him to comprehend, to understand what the situation is. So if we're dealing with a wayward child, an unfaithful spouse, or whatever the situation might be, We've got to understand the situation and realize why they're like they are because what we generally do is spend all of our time and exhaust all of our energy in dealing with the fruit of the problem instead of getting to the root of the problem. You know, you better change or I'm going to leave you. You better straighten up or I'm going to kick you out. You know, whatever. And we just keep dealing with the fruit of the problem. And until we get to the root, things are never going to change because they have got to have their eyes open, and we can't do it. Only God can do it. And so uh, we can argue with them all we want, but it's not going to do any good. Only the Spirit of God can open blind eyes. So that's why we need to pray. And that's what we need to pray for. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we pray, Oh, dear God, help help my son to stop drinking. Help him to stop taking drugs. Help him to stop this, stop that. And we're dealing with the sin itself. And we need to be praying, Dear God, open his eyes. Open his eyes. I mean, whatever it takes, whatever you've got to do, open his eyes and help him to see the truth of your Word Because even God does not force people to change against their will. You know, we want to see people change. That's why I say all the time, you can't control people. You can't change people. Your kid can run away from home tomorrow. Your spouse can dump you tomorrow and move out. You can't do a thing in the world about it. Uh, You can do something, you'll end up in prison, but you're not going to be able to do anything to stop it, you see. And uh, so you can't change people. You can't control people. But God can. And listen, and as Paul is praying for this church, it's obvious that God has ordained prayer to be a part of the process of opening the eyes of those that are blinded. And so it's not going to do us any good to keep arguing with them and rebuking them. We have got to pray that God will open their eyes. That's understanding the situation. Secondly... And we've got to get out of here by 8, and so I'm going to have to rush a little bit. Secondly, not only understanding the situation, I want to talk to you about undertaking a ministry of prayer. Undertaking a ministry of prayer. You and I both, I'm sure, would agree that if we really care about people, we will pray for them. Uh, I know that this is all so very elementary and so very... Simple and fundamental that sometimes we overlook the importance of this. But if we really care for somebody, we're going to pray for them instead of complaining about their conduct and bemoaning the fact that, well, they're hurting themselves and they're hurting other people. We need to commit ourselves to a ministry of praying that God will open their eyes. And I'm convinced that, that most people do not actually understand how important prayer is. So tonight I want to encourage you to undertake a ministry of prayer, understanding the situation. And it's not, oh dear God, I've been praying for years, you'll give me a better husband. Stop that. Stop that. That's not the primary goal, you getting a better husband. The primary goal is for God to be glorified through the transformation of that person, and that only happens when their eyes are open. So we've got, you know, it's, so many times we, we pray as though it doesn't make any difference how we pray. And, and, and it really does. I, I think God expects us to be specific in our prayers. I mean, you know, if we just want to roll it all up in one ball of wax, we could just every night before we go to bed say, Dear Lord, uh, uh, You know the needs of the world, and I, I I pray You'll meet the needs and close your eyes and go to sleep. And I, I don't think we can expect very much praying like that. And we can just keep praying for these people to change, but we've got to pray that their eyes will be opened so... As you think about undertaking a ministry of prayer, think about these things. Number one, number one, do it in a spirit of humility. Do it in a spirit of humility, realizing it's only by the grace of God that you're not the prodigal. It's only by God's grace that it's not you in need of prayer, that it's not you doing what they're doing. So, do it in a spirit of humility, not with a holier than thou attitude, Do it after you've confessed your own sin, that you've dealt with your own shortcomings. Also, do it with an attitude of faith, and do it with a willingness to help where you can. Now, I wish I had time to talk about that more, because... A lot of times, our kids will put us in situations where we are fed up with helping. When does the helping stop? Uh, Brother Ron posted, I think it was Ron, posted something today or commented on a post where this young woman was suing her mother and daddy. She didn't want to live at home. She wanted to move out, and so she's suing them for child support. That they'll pay for her an apartment and this and that. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people today that, that that's that's the way they think. Oh, you owe me, you know. Just and, and and they live with that entitlement mentality. Now listen carefully to what I'm about to say. It's not right when other people take advantage of your kindness and they will bleed you dry or do whatever, always depending on you to bail them out of a situation. But I'm telling you something, whenever you go to praying for God to open their eyes and for God to change their life, you better be ready to help whenever they need it. And, And it's not something that's always pleasant, but it's something we've got to be willing to do. And again, you think back to people that helped you, and the way that God has helped you. And that's the way you need to look at it. You know, when you were in need, God used someone to help you, and God opened your eyes. So understand the situation. Undertake a ministry of prayer. Number three, upholding your commitment to pray. Upholding your commitment to pray. Because it's easy to get started, right? But it's really difficult sometimes to... Uh, to continue. Look at verse sixteen again, Ephesians one sixteen. Cease not, notice he says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And I've got a whole list of verses that we could go to and see about the 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 need to to be committed to continuing in prayer because we all have this tendency to stop whenever we don't see things happen. And what we've got to remember is, just because we don't see the answer to our prayer, just because we don't see things happen, that doesn't mean that nothing is happening. There might be a lot going on in that person's life that you don't know about. In fact, it might look, at times it might appear to you, oh, I've been praying for them and things are getting worse instead of better. Let me tell you, sometimes they've got to get worse before they get better. And, and and thinking that you're helping them by bailing them out of every situation is that's that's not the solution. Because until people get hurt they a lot of people won't turn to the Lord. But what we need to remember is even though if others are not changed by our prayer, we are. It'll change you. Even if they're not changed, it'll change you. Now let, let me read you this letter that the mother, wrote regarding her son. She says, Our third son is a prodigal. Although I suppose we are all prodigals in some fashion, I have experienced a depth of relationship with God that I didn't know before mothering a prodigal. God has continued to walk this road of parenting with us revealing His character to us and growing us through the trials. Before, I didn't understand the joy in trials that James speaks of quite like I do now. It is an opportunity to become mature in our faith as we have heartbreak and disappointment in different situations. I thank God for our Son actually. He has been and is the iron that sharpens me. I trust that God is working deep in his heart. Even though the outside doesn't often look that way, I believe that someday his eyes will be open and God will remove his heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh and the renewing of his heart and his mind will be a great testimony to God and who He is. And and I remember the first time I read that letter, and I was so impressed by the fact that she was emphasizing, yes, I'm praying for my son. Yes, I believe that eventually God's going to get the victory, that, that God's going to change his life. But meanwhile, what's going on? God's changing me, she said. I now have a depth of, of a relationship with Christ that that, that that I never had before. And so as we commit ourselves to this ministry of prayer for those wayward people, the thing we've got to keep in mind is the power of God. Look at the, at the last part of chapter 1 again, where he says in verse number 20, well, verse 19, he says, "...and what is the exceeding greatness..." Of His power. That's what He's praying that they will understand. That their eyes will be opened, that they'll understand the exceeding greatness of His power. To us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Now notice this. Which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him in His own right hand. In the heavenly places. Boy, I'll tell you, if there was ever a time when everything seemed hopeless, when all hope, you know, seemed to be gone, it was when Jesus lay there in that tomb. You think about that. And the power of God raised Him up. And what Paul is saying to this church, the same Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead, that same Spirit is in you as a believer. And if the Spirit of God is in you, I mean, look, it's, it's unlimited the great things that God can do. And so just keep your focus on the greatness of God's power. Commit to a ministry of prayer. Don't give up on these folks. Pray the right way. Understanding what the situation is that that they don't need reformation that's not going to help them even if you could convince them to you know to stop what they're doing and reform their ways that's not the answer the answer and the only permanent solution is for the eyes of their heart to be opened up to where as a result of that they have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and become a new creature and then everything falls into place and takes care of itself, thank you for staying with us throughout this journey on the subject of prayer and I hope that uh, I hope you 'll be with us in our study on proverbs.